Welcome to Parenting in the Trenches. I'm Karen Peters, a registered clinical counselor, and I'm a mom. We're getting real about all things family from a mental health perspective. So let's get to it. Today we're looking at the concept of consent and healthy boundaries when it comes to kids. It's not really the simplest conversation to have because it happens in stages over time according to your kid's development, but it's also complicated because it's nuanced. It comes with some fuzzy outlines sometimes that require our ability to interpret situations. Not all kids have those skills yet. In fact, most of them don't. We adults can have a hard time figuring out what's okay and not okay for us. So if it's tough for us to do, how do we begin to try and clearly lay it out for our kids? The first thing that's important to do is take a look at ourselves. So pause for a sec and think about what you were taught about the idea of consent or boundaries when you were young. Were you told to hug others, for instance, when you didn't really want to, but the rationale was if you withhold it, you might be hurting somebody's feelings. When something did not feel quite right to you about how you were treated, did you have adults that stood by you and let you know that you had the right to sense something icky, even when there was no obvious line crossed? And what about from peers when you were maybe a teen or a tween? Did you get pressured to cross boundaries just to be cool or to be popular? It makes me think about the days of spin the bottle. Do you remember that game where you figured out, um, you know, it was kind of vaguely risky to participate, but you felt kind of pressured to do it. And you weren't really sure what you were committing to follow through on if the bottle pointed to you ahead of time. The rules were made up as you went, and if you wanted to save face, you'd have to prove good on the dare. Usually it involved something like awkward kissing in a closet somewhere in your friend's house, or calling a random number to say something inappropriate so the group could laugh at their expense. Kids test these boundaries all the time. It happens on the daily, really. Whether it's through dares, wanting to be accepted, maybe wanting to feel powerful by crossing someone else's boundaries. Knowing what our own messaging around consent and boundaries were when we were growing up can help us have some insight about what we're currently comfortable with or have just learned to accept. But maybe when we pause to reconsider and realize how hurt-filled some of those unspoken rules can be, it gives us an opportunity to rethink what we want to teach our kids. Many of us have learned that we should put others before ourselves. And while the sentiment can be helpful in relationship building to some degree about pausing our own needs to meet the needs of others sometimes, but I think we've painted that stroke too broadly and has led many of us to feel guilty if we prioritize our own okayness at the okayness of others. It starts even to feel selfish to honor your own needs if it appears to be upsetting to others. Another problem can be that we stop articulating our lines in the sand. We haven't learned to be assertive or don't feel it's polite to be quite that clear and firm and upfront. So instead, we stay quiet with our boundaries, and then we have to respond with panic when the unspoken line was crossed. And then we feel like we can't really confront the other person after all. How would they have known where the line was? 
This is what I call the gap where resentment grows. We have unspoken expectations and then feel rejected or disappointed when the other person doesn't honor them. I also want to take a few minutes to expand our go-to zone for boundaries and consent teaching. It's not just about private parts or about our sexuality, although that's included. It applies to every area of life. It's about all forms of touch and contact. It's about word usage. It's about job expectations, couple relationship rules, how we interact with our kids, how our kids interact with their friends. It's about grandpa insisting on a hug before you leave their house. It's about how you're expected to pay, how much you're expected to pay for family birthday gifts each year. It's about being clear about work hours, family time, or who comes in and out of your home. It's about listening to gut feelings. When teaching kids about the idea of consent, it's important to start young and to start in simple, concrete terms because that's where they're at developmentally. It's where lines can be drawn clearly and little interpretation is needed. It's the stranger danger and the body safety teaching years. It's also those early years where you let them know that their body's their own, which parts are for touching, not for touching, and by whom. It's about letting them know before the doctor touches them that this is a safe person and you're going to be with them the whole time. It's those years where we start letting toddlers know that we can be angry, anger is okay, but we do not hit, kick, or bite to let people know that we're angry with them. We start teaching about how to respect one another's property, that some things are for sharing and some things aren't. I've mentioned in a previous episode that when I share stories about my kids in this podcast, I do ask for their consent first. The joke in our house is that when we ask, we actually ask for each other's croissant, which is a testament to how young we actually started teaching them about this idea. They couldn't even yet make sense of what we were saying and what the actual word consent was. And because they thought I said croissant, it stuck. So they're 10 and 13 now, and we're still using the word croissant. The early years of consent teaching was naming out loud when a choice about touch was presented to them. We didn't assume it was okay. We checked in with them in simple ways about it. Or we noticed their body cues and honored them. So if our kids pulled away from a hug offer, we took that as a, no thanks, not today, and didn't force the issue for the sake of the hug requester. When we went to the playground, we monitored the kids' interactions with others, just enough to be able to say, we want to foster you asking before taking or actively modeling or encouraging sharing willingness with others. If there was a special toy that they didn't want visiting friends to play with, it was okay to put those in safe places as off-limits, honoring their possessions and what belonged to them. Sometimes it helps to clarify what healthy boundaries are when you notice what it feels, sounds, and looks like when they are there. Healthy boundaries feel like you have more autonomy, more say, more control. They nurture your self-esteem, there's less burnout and overwhelm, and your overall emotional mental health is better. What healthy boundaries sound like is, would you please call me before sending your child over to play? 
or I feel uncomfortable talking about that right now, or it would be better for me if I address this tomorrow. Would you mind rephrasing that? The words that you chose don't feel safe to me. Or I appreciate your ideas about this, but I'm actually feeling pretty good about making this decision on my own. Or I need this conversation to change in tone, or we'll need to end it here. What it looks like to have good boundaries is clearly communicating your needs, not always anticipating the needs of others, which is tough for us parents when we have kids that we're needing to anticipate needs for. We need to trust others to say something if they need something. It also looks like accepting when others say no, being in charge of your own happiness, and feeling safe to express yourself. It means acting in alignment with your beliefs and your values. Helping your kids with examples of when and how they say no to someone, even if they're an authority figure, is more helpful than trying to teach the idea of boundaries and cons- and consent conceptually. Role-playing can be fun and actually really helpful to rehearse and practice simple replies to use, choices of words, or even offer alternatives that they are comfortable with instead of what's being asked, like blowing a kiss instead of having a hug. How to reposition your body to feel safe and who they can tell or process it with after a boundary setting experience. It also helps to teach kids what to notice in their bodies that signal feeling unsafe, like goosebumps, the hair raising on your arms, feeling shaky or wobbly, when you feel like you're starting to cry or getting sweaty, or your heart beats fast. Review with your child who their safe people are. Who would you encourage them to tell if they feel kind of weird about something? And what would this look like in their normal day, everyday environments where you're not with them? So school, daycare, team sports, or on a play date. Body safety conversations should also follow some basic guidelines. First, understand what private parts are that it's what's under your bathing suit, and it includes your mouth as well. Call all private parts by their actual names. Private parts are not for touching by others, nor for taking pictures of, and if anything happens, they must tell a trusted adult. You can also teach your small ones about bubbles, that space that exists around each one of us. And while they're invisible and maybe different sizes, it's important to recognize that each person has one. In order for people to come inside that bubble, we need to ask if it's okay. That's the basic idea of consent. Giving permission to cross your personal lines. If they come inside our bubble without asking, we have the right to tell them to back up. It's also important to know that we all have different sized bubbles and even those might actually change from day to day. So for me, there are some days where I feel kind of okay about having people closer in my space. Maybe the noise can be louder and I'm tolerating it all right. But other days, my boundaries look quite different. My bubble grows and I feel quite easily overwhelmed by others inside my space. 
Kids should also know that just because they feel okay about being near to someone, that doesn't necessarily mean it's okay for the other person. Their bubble might be a different size or involve different lines. So practice with them how to ask others if things are okay for them. Something that wasn't really on our generation's radar, on our parents' generation's radar to teach us when we were young, at least to the same extent as our kids need from us, is consent around sharing pictures of them taken on phones. Now, this is a big topic for my 10 and 13-year-old now because they have more freedom with their devices, and so do their friends. Cyberbullying needs to be on every parent's radar, so educating your kids on digital safety is critically important. And this includes the misuse of images, but also how we engage with others online through gaming, chatting, and social media. It's crossing verbal boundaries as well. If you want to know if you have someone's consent, you can ask things like, are you okay if I send this? Do you agree to include this in our project? Um, Can I have your permission to add this picture to the post? And always when in doubt, ask. Do not assume. Great rule of thumb to teach your kids. Consent isn't about guessing, it's about checking it out actively with the person. Kids have the right to some privacy. So think about how you dialogue with other parents, friends, and family, both in front of your kids and when they're not around. You can always share your own experiences. Maybe it's frustration around parenting or their kids' behavior. You can talk about the relationship with your kids, but always think about upholding their dignity and worth in the way that you share those experiences. Respecting that your kids have their own story and journey in life, even when they're young, sets them up to know that defamation is not okay. It's hurtful. It isn't okay, and there are other ways to share your experiences without exposing the other person or making them feel vulnerable to shame. It's also important to model for your kids and teach them through conversation that if you've crossed someone's boundaries, it's okay to notice what that feels like and apologize to them. Being accountable and making amends is part of respectful relationships and is another method of honoring boundaries. If you've got about 10 minutes after this episode, I would strongly encourage you to just sit down with a pen and paper, and while this is fresh in your head, jot down some ways of either introducing or continuing these conversations with your kids. And remember that the practice is ongoing as the complexity and nuance grows with your child's development. Think about age-appropriate ways of educating your kids about body safety, relationship boundaries, asking for and giving consent, and ways of addressing when things feel out of line or over the line. Thanks for joining me for the last episode in this Kids and series. Maybe check out the other series in the queue, like series one on anxiety or the second one on couple relationship. There's so much for us to learn together and support one another in. So until the next time, be well. Thanks for spending time with me today. Remember to check out the show notes for related resources. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram, or you can also subscribe to my online learning page at my.thrive-life forward slash LRL series. 
where you'll get updates, extra tools for your toolkit. And if there's a topic that you want me to cover in this podcast, please shoot me a message. I would love to hear from you. Shoulder to shoulder with you, knee deep in this mud. I will see you back here next time.